This morning, we, uh, we get to start celebrating. Uh, this is our second weekend celebrate, uh, celebrating the Advent. And something beautiful about the Advent is we get to, to like long for the day of Christmas, amen? Like we get to see that build up, that, that hope that we learned about last week and, and um, what we learned about the next three weeks as we move forward in this process. So, but to start off today, I, I, gotta, I, I need a little help. And so um, I asked Joe earlier this week if he could come help me up on stage. And it, it won't take long, but yeah, come on, come on. This is your job, man. DJ Biscuit and Gravy up here. All you got to do is sit in this chair, all right? You scared? Ooh. You good? I don't know, man. What's wrong with it? Can this support Big Sexy? Uh... <laughs> Big sexy. You good? You good? Oh yeah. I duct taped the back leg together. Really? Yeah. He's holding me together. He's holding me. I'm just playing with you, but but see, when we have things in our lives, like for me, I'm a big guy, so I had to get a big guy up here to help me out with this. I do not trust these chairs. I've seen too many of them fall, and and so every time I sit down in one, I see what. I, when I look at that chair, what do I have in that chair? It's a lack of faith in that chair. Now, these big boy chairs right here, you're good. You're good. You can go back down. Yeah. See, like even the, the handle's breaking or whatever. But these big boy chairs we got right here and the cushy ones in the back for the real big boys. Um, these things, we, I have total confidence that if I set my big Acoli down in them, they're going to hold me. Unlike that red chair that I had that experience with at the, at the last place. Everybody remembers that one. But when we go throughout life, we have faith in things. Like right now, I have faith that this stage is going to hold me up, and I'm not going to worry about me going through it unless Itcher did something powerful for it. But that's what we get to learn about today. But this is more than a worldly faith. This is a Christ-centered faith. And so as we go through the sermon today, that's what I want us to look at is kind of the difference between worldly faith, the faith in trusting a chair, versus the faith in trusting Christ. But as I said before, we're going through Advent right now, and last week we learned about um, hope, and this week we're going to learn about faith, of course. But the whole passage is talking about the good news that we will learn about at the end, which is the Christmas story. But here's something I read about the Advent, Um, and it says this, not all can wait, certainly not those who are satisfied, sorry, satisfied, contending, and feel like they live the best of all possible worlds. This is talking about Advent, remember this. Those who learn to wait are uneasy about their way of life but yet have seen a vision of greatness in the world of the future and are patiently expecting its fulfillment. The celebration of Advent is possible only to those who are troubled in soul, who know themselves to be poor and imperfect, and who look forward to something greater to come. See, like, as I've, got, I've been blessed with these three kids at my house now. I've never under, fully understood it. Um, the... The Christmas spirit. My son was two last year, and he was a little young. He was still, and so now having three, two three-year-olds and a five-year-old, having Christmas presents under the tree, 
December 1st is a little crazy. Who's, who's ever experienced that? Because I have kids like, oh, can I open all my presents now? And be like, no, because all your other presents are going to go away. They don't understand that longing, that, that waiting period. Do you see what I'm saying? And as Christians, the Advent season is this waiting period as we wait to see Christ and what he's going to come in the future. So we are just like little kids that we, if we are totally invested in the world today, we're missing out on the better things in the world to come. Amen. So now we get to come to my, our text today, which is out of Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, 26. It's nice and warm today compared to last week, yeah? Whew. Jesus is sweating out the stuff in us. <clears throat> Luke 21, 26 through 40. And if you could stand with me as you read, um, as we read together this morning. We have the words on the screen so you can follow along if you don't have your scripture with you. And it says this. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she, is, but she was greatly troubled at, saying, at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. How many of us want that saying to be said over us this morning? You have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you, sh you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And verse 34, and Mary said to the angel, how can this be? How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born, you will be called holy, the son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in the old age ha has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Verse 39. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to, to a town of, in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah the, and greeted, greeted Elizabeth. Dear Emily Father, Lord, we come to you this morning. May we have a greater sense of faith after this. May, may the word that has been pres, uh, presented today, may it come with a greater sense of faith and hope in the things to come, Lord. May we see the reason of Christmas is the, is the season of celebrating your birth, but your birth is only celebrated because of your death. Lord, as we celebrate your birth, we long for, we celebrate your death also. Lord, may you be with this time. May we, may we learn from you. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. 
You may be seated this morning. If you look up the word faith in, in the Webster's Dictionary, or just a dictionary online, it says this. It says alliance, allegiance to a duty or a person. And there's big, bold letters right around it that, that said this. It says loyalty. So when, when I see this, I think of my first time here. When, I, when we got off the plane from Tennessee, we went straight to a, a Bible study in which we, I mean, it was already concluded by the time we got there, but I learned from that group of men that was there what loyalty really meant. I also understand from our staff today what loyalty truly is and faith in another human being. If I called one of them, no matter what time of night, I know they would come to my ever-becking need. I don't have to worry about that. I don't think I ever had a friend that I had that faith in when I was back home in Tennessee. I don't think I ever had people in my life that I thought could possibly go to jail for the sake of my well-being um, that, back home in Tennessee. You see, that faith, that human faith, is that allegiance to a duty or a person is something different from, from context to context. And I experienced it more here than I did in the mainland. But this is not biblical faith either. We'll, we'll see late, later on what biblical faith is, but that's not biblical faith. So this morning, I want us to look at, at what biblical faith is. And number one, first off, faith that bibli- biblically changes lives. We see this in Mary's life. When, Mary told, uh, when the angel of God told Mary that she was going to be a that she was going to have a baby, all right, if you've never enjoyed the process of making a baby and then have the responsibility of a baby, like God gave us that process to celebrate marriage. And so if you've been withholding as the biblical standard requires, yeah, as biblical calls us to withhold ourselves from one another until marriage and then, the, and then an angel of God comes to you and be like, no, you're going to have a child. That's jacked up well, a little bit. Like that is something that I don't just cling to. And so that's the kind of faith that, that changes lives. When, when God comes into your life, you're on a process. When a child comes into your life, it's that same type of, it's, it's life-changing. You're no longer the same person that you were before. You see, and this is, this is a lifelong process of faith from God is not something that this chair, you can have faith in the chair for a little while, and then it gets weak and you get to throw it out. You can have faith in people. You can have faith in the 49ers to win the football game today. But guess what? That faith is going to fade over time, just like my Tennessee Titans. They... There's faith in things of this world. Guess what? Hilo High is not going to be Biff champions for the rest of the age. You got to have faith stronger than that. So so when you see faith from God, listen to this definition. Saving faith is trust in Jesus Christ as a living person for forgiveness of sins and for eternal life in God. In short, what this faith is reliance. Faith is reliance. 
And it's not reliance on ourselves to do more. Like sometimes we can come into a like mindset that faith, that we have to have faith in order to do this. Like come and set up in the morning. That's showing our faith. But that's not reliance on Christ. That's reliance on man. So reliance that we need is from Christ for Christ. Listen to me. We have to have reliance because faith is a gift from God, from Christ to Christ. Because he is our only hope. Faith in man is not what gave Mary hope. Faith in Joseph sticking with her in, the Bible, in this marriage, in this conception, is not what gave her hope. Faith in the, the baby that she might have is not what gave her hope. It says this, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. You see, that is what gave Mary hope. That is the hope that, that we should in turn have in our own lives. Because listen to this, this, this will change your outlook on blessing sometimes. I read this, and it shocked me this week. You see, May, May, Mary in this passage found favor in the sight of God. We all agree with that. The angel of the Lord said this. But Mary didn't receive what we would call a worldly blessing. Think about this. As, as a betrothed woman and saying she was a virgin, she did not receive an earthly blessing. She actually received earthly condemnation because of what was going to go around around her, what was going to happen around her. But you see, in the same promise that the angel gave to Mary, she, he also gave a promise to Elizabeth. So what was Elizabeth's situation? She was barren. She was a disgrace. In, that, in those biblical times, the woman was supposed to bear children. But you see that this, this passage, this passage gave Mary a worldly disgrace, but a heavenly blessing. But it also, in the same time, gave, gave Elizabeth a heavenly blessing and a worldly blessing. So you don't know what kind of, when your faith speaks into your life, you don't know what kind of worldly possession you're going to get. You don't know what kind of worldly blessing you're going to get. It might not be a blessing at all. But God's still sovereign and it's still a gift from him. And you still see that Mary was favored in the sight of God. I'll put this simply in one section. Faith in man will lead to worldly blessings, but heavenly disgrace. Faith in God can have worldly disgrace, but heavenly blessings. You see, sometimes, sometimes to have heavenly blessings, for us to grow as Ohana, we have to abandon a, a building at 1967 Kinoli Street and come and work together. So this morning was a blessing. If you were here, I believe... In some cases, it was blessings, um, the fellowship, that sort of thing. But sometimes you got to look, you got to change your outlook. Look, the way we change our outlook, look at this. We all know this passage, John 3.16. It's going to be on the screen, or it should be on the screen. Uh, all right, read it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in me should not perish, Whatever, Look at this passage. Sometimes we, we read it for face value. 
We like to read things for faith, face value. For God so loved the world that he gave his own, I like these screens on stage, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish. This is not saying believes what he says. It says believes in him. It's what he teaches. You know what that, that in him actually says in the Greek? Unto him. It believes unto him. It's actually called pistos is in the Greek is what it's called. And it believes into him. And it's a sign of reliance or dependency, which is the same that we talked about faith. Faith is reliance. Reliance on Christ. So when we read this, it's not just an easy, oh, I believe in Jesus, man. There's more to it. It's a belief unto him. The reality truth for us this morning. True faith is one that goes into and rests in Jesus. All right? Everybody say, all right. All right. There we go. Get some southern accent up in this joint. Um, <clears throat> If you have true faith and you're staying surface level, that's not true faith. If you have true faith and, or if you say you have true faith and you're always concerned, worried, anxious, if you can't rest in Christ, that's not true faith. So what are three marks of true faith? We see this in the passage from this morning. Number one, the first mark of true faith is knowledge. We see that in verse 28 and 29 when, when the angel of the Lord spoke to Mary and it says, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. In this passage, you see the gospel proclaimed. There are radical questions that, that should enter your mind. When, when somebody comes up to you as a, as a worldly person, as an unbeliever, and says you are sinful and you are in need of repair, there's some radical questions that go through your mind. There's some like, hold up, no, this is not what I've been taught since childhood. Mary was 13 to 17 years old during this process. That's what most of us forget, that, that she is a young Lady, she's a young girl in our context. So there's some things going on in her mind, like, what the crap's going on? So, but we see the knowledge of the gospel portrayed in her. Listen to this. This is Romans 10, 14. This is one of, our, one of the main verses of Ohana Church. It says this, Then how then will they call on him who they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? The first mark of true faith is you got to have knowledge. Not, and you don't have to have, like, I promise you, Zeke has more books on his shelf than, than I've ever owned in my life. You don't have to have a vast array of knowledge and understanding, but you got to know the basics. you got to know that you're a sinful person. You've got to know that, that your deeds is like filthy rags. 
You got to know that Jesus Christ left heaven, came down on this earth to die a death that you should have you died. You've got to know that, that you've, you've accepted that Christ has covered your sins upon that death and that you have been raised to walk in the newness of life. The true marks of, of faith, the first one is knowledge. You've got to know basic stuff to have true faith. The second one, the second one is agreement. You got to agree with the stuff you know. Amen? Amen. You got to agree with it. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit has come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son in the sixth month. This passage of scripture right here, this passage of scripture right here was a leading, I mean, a, a fulfillment of a promise from Genesis 3.15. This is one of, Genesis 3.15 is one of my favorite passages in the scripture because it's the promise after Adam and Eve had sinned, it's the promise that there would be one to come who was going to crush the head of the serpent. See, and Mary understood scripture enough not to believe that it was her, per se, per se, but she understood there was a Messiah coming. The Jews in that time understood there was a Messiah coming, one greater than David that would crush the head of the serpent. And through all the prophecies, even as Kahuzik preached last week, that we see in the Christmas story, we can see a fulfillment happening right here. So Mary had to agree with it. And then lastly, the mark of a true faith. She had to be dependent on it. And it says this, and the angel departed from her. And in those days, Mary rose and went with haste to the hill country to a town of Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and, and greeted Elizabeth. Most of us proclaim our football team's wins more than we proclaim faith in Christ. Most of us proclaim our dependence on substance or lack of substance more than we proclaim our faith in Christ, or more than we're dependent than our faith on Christ. Self-reliance, listen to me. Self-reliance and biblical faith cannot coexist. If you're one of the type of people that's like, pull yourself up by your bootstraps every morning, we got, we got work to do. That and biblical faith don't, don't exist together. We must be utterly dependent on Christ. It's like light and, light and darkness. I've been to, there's, where I'm from in Tennessee, where there's a big cave system underneath the whole southeast of the United States. And there's a place that they took us when we were in high school and middle school and whatever. But there's a room 
where the only light on is the light of the, the tour guide. And when he turns it out, it's totally dark. Like, they say it's absolute darkness. So you can put your hands right here, and you don't see it. But the way that light works, when he flips it off, it goes from you could see anywhere the light is pointed to absolutely nothing just like this. And that's how faith and, uh, faith and self-reliance work. You're either relying on self or you're relying on Christ. No man can serve two masters. You either despise one and love the other or you hate one and love the other. So that's, that's how dependent we must be on Christ. And then finally, as the, as the band starts to come up, number two, faith always leads to action. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste in the hill country to the town of Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. Biblical faith always starts with repentance. So my question, if, if you've never experienced repentance in your life, you've never experienced true biblical faith. Acts 20, 21 says this, Paul preached faith and repentance. It was always the first step as new believers in Christ is repentance, but it's not ever stopped. Repentance is the thing that must go on and on in your life. As we grow in Christ, as we grow closer to him, the Holy Spirit, I promise you, always exposes new ways that we sin in our lives. Or that, that sometimes, guess what? God is gracious. When you're a new believer, God is gracious that he doesn't point out everything you do wrong in your life. Just like a little child that, that you... I mean, you can do two things. You can point out every little thing. You can nitpick a child. Or you can just go be like, don't touch the oven. It's going to burn you. And then grow as they grow. Grow with this. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Is he grows in the discipline of, of Christians. So faith always leads to action. And faith action starts with repentance. And then also... Faith leads to being missional. When I was a child, I thought like a child. And I thought the best job in the world would be a backup quarterback in the NFL. A backup quarterback. Because you could be pretty lazy and all you had to do was uh, hand signals on the sidelines. You didn't have to do much as a backup quarterback, just there in the time of need. But as I grew older, the drive happened in my life where I don't wanna be a sidelines. I don't wanna be on the sidelines anymore. I wanna take part in what God is doing. Listen to this. God did not shed the the blood. God did not shed the blood of his son for you to sit on the sidelines.
God poured out his wrath upon his son. And you're going to just sit there and say, I'm a sideline guy. No. True faith always leads to being missional. And that doesn't mean you have to go far away. Sometimes it does. Sometimes the story is like Lane and Zeke. They were in Tennessee. Myself and Sarah, we were in Tennessee. There's a lot of Tennessee people, Jacob and Sarah. Sometimes, sometimes the story ends like that. And it's beautiful. But sometimes there's also a story that says, no, you be a missionary at your work. You be a missionary to the people that need it. Understanding that your life was broken and now is restored. You will long for the people of your community and the people of your neighborhoods and the people of your work to understand that restoration in your life. You long to see that the hungry be fed and the blind to see and the deer, deaf to hear, the mute to speak and the lame to walk and the depressed. The best, one of the best things is the depressed to have joy, to have joy in life. You see, we didn't, set, we didn't become Christians to sit on the sidelines. We, we became Christians to join in the mission. Listen to this. This is our biblical truth, and then, then we'll get to the response. You, here's our biblical truth. Yeah. You can go without faith. Listen to me. I can go to my work without faith, but you cannot have faith without going. You cannot have faith. So we can go to Japan. And guess what? You can go for all the wrong reasons in your life. You can go because you wanted to see where Godzilla was invented. You can go to see the people there. But listen to me. If you have true faith in God, you're going to have to go somewhere. You can't bottle it up here. You can't come and be a what, what is it? A 9.15 to 11 Christian on Sunday mornings and call it quits for the rest of the week. I wish you could, but you cannot. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to respond today. And there's, a, there's multiple ways we can respond. But the first way I want you to respond is I want you to close your eyes. I want you to close your eyes this morning. I want you to listen to this quote. It's by a great theologian named A.W. Tozer. And he says this, the foundation of my faith in God is knowing that I'm a fixture of his mind. This is where my faith begins and it is where I begin to understand my place in God's thinking. When I understand how God thinks about me, it starts me on a journey of faith. I can trust, listen, listen. I can trust the one who has my best interest in mind for the longest period of time. Listen, before you were born, God had your intentions in mind. Before you were even thought of, before your parents was born, God had the best intentions in mind. So why don't you put your full faith in him today? Because where are you? There's... There's people all around this room. We're in different stages of our faith. Some of you is one that I didn't even talk about today. Your faith is in the rejection phase. You've, you're rejecting everything. 
Some of you this morning is in the knowledge phase. You know God, but you don't wanna, I mean, you'll come to church on Sunday because your family makes you or whatever. Some of you actually agree with him. Be like, yeah, this is, this is great for, um, it's a great morality thing. You agree because it teaches my kids morality. And then lastly, are you, de- or are you the one that's dependent on faith this morning? We must be a people dependent on faith. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to respond in worship. We're going to respond where we are in worship. But I want you to think hard about that. Where are you on your faith journey? Are you one that's rejecting? Are you one that's in the knowledge phase? Are you one that's in the agreement phase? Or are you totally dependent? Because as Kahu Zeke shared in, in the meeting this morning, we know which phase you're in, but do you? Because we know by how you act, how you live life, Because like A.W. Tozer says, I can trust the one who has my best interest in mind for the longest period of time. Amen? So stand with me this morning as we...